0: Great moments are born from great opportunity.
1: Last name ever, first name greatest, like a sprained ankle boy, ain't nothing to play with. Again.
0: But before you can ever reach anything, you have to believe it. You don't just mistakenly become great at
1: something. Now go out there and take it.
0: Welcome into the weekend recap here oh. on Oh wow. Strike oh, on one. Monday. Wow. That's strike one.
1: It's it's that Garfield uh, feel to it. Yep. Not a big Mondays guy.
0: No, I guess not. I yeah. You know what? I was going, i I was feeling a little flustered, you know. While you're walking in the studio late.
1: I'm okay. Feeling... No, 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 no. I was in the bathroom. <laughs> you you you're pretty capable of show. Matt had a little show. bit
0: of a uh, Roldis Chapman situation going on. No, I was kidding. <laughs> no, it was
1: just number one. Just the number one. Just, just to pee, a lot of water, a lot of coffee this morning. I got um apple you, cider. You sounded a little out of breath. Well, I'm wearing the mask. Unless you're like, we're supposed to be. A lot of hustle, I think. I think when hustle, you texted probably. me, I realized it was 12.01, and I just sprinted. <laughs> and you know me, I'm not a big runner. Well, I didn't hear you uh, say you were leaving. So I, I just, said I was going I, to bed I didn't
0: hear you say that, so I was just very confused. I should have just started. You're you should have. That's on if, me. You know, I got like a, a blister. Lot of things going I already on.
1: have a blister on my foot. <laughs> you know, this is this is the problem with shoes. I've been on, a, I'll bring it to the air now. I've been wearing, I got Burks for my birthday to my, for my brother. Thank you very much, Lawrence. He wears them a lot, Lawrence. I've he's worn getting a lot of, he's getting a lot of, uh, I, I've worn maybe four pairs of socks the entire semester. Cause yeah. I don't go anywhere. I stay in my house. So I go to the Gonian. Yeah. we're here.
0: And how can you wear Burks and be anti-Crocs? That's my question.
1: Cause Crocs are an abomination.
0: They come They're They're from the same family. No,
1: they, they are not comfortable from the same shoes that you wear without socks. They are not from the same family. You're, no. Yeah, that to they me, are not, no, to me. They are. They're okay. You know what they are? They are the children's version of Birkenstocks. Okay, and children can wear them. <laughs> not adults. But not adults. No. Okay. Once you can, once you can, once you're in high school, I would say middle school, you cannot wear Birken. You can't wear Crocs. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. I'm. i never a Crocs guy. I'm pretty anti-Crocs myself, but I understand why they've become kind of a trend, especially among like college-aged. But we can't people. wear
1: slides. Why are wearing Crocs? Wear slides. That's true. Grow up.
0: Well, Crocs are a running. little bit more like a shoe in a sense of their no. little...
1: Yeah, but they're they're plastic.
0: Yeah, I guess. Get out of here with this. They're, are they plastic? They're yeah. like a weird... They're like... like a
1: rubbery plastic. They're nonsense. They are nonsense.
0: Anyways, we've got a big show today on the Watling and Owens show after a big weekend in sports where, I mean, the Jets looked bad, the Bills looked good, and then in the baseball side of things, the, the Mets keep struggling. The Yankees are able to sweep the Orioles, so we've got a lot to talk about. Islanders as well. Odd Man Rush will update on our picks, which we, we, if people listened to us, we would have wanted some money. I'll say that. Uh, but first, we're going to start with the Bills and the Jets. And the Bills take care of business in week one, 27 to 17. Not a huge surprise there. I think both of us thought that the Bills were going to be able to take care of business in that week one game. But one of the bigger storylines from yesterday was Le'Veon Bell, who left the game. Briefly, he pulled a hamstring. The play was was weird. I mean, when it happened at the time, it looked like kind of a bad injury. He he came up grabbing his hamstring after he got tripped up on a pass interference call that would have led to a touchdown. Actually, had he not been tripped up, ends up grabbing the hamstring. But then he comes back for the second half. Plays basically one play, catches a screen pass. You can see the lack of explosiveness, and they kind of noted that on the broadcast. He ends up missing the rest of the game. And when Adam Gase is asked about it after the game, he admitted that he was upset that he ended up putting Bell
1: back into that game. And, look, I think the the whole game was a mess for the Jets. I didn't love the idea that Gase, I guess it's weird because if Gase doesn't put him in, you say, where is he? And then you have that issue during, like, there was in the preseason, or not really preseason, but training camp where Bell said, look, my hamstrings are fine. I can play. I could have practiced in that scrimmage. So it's kind of a catch-22, but you've got to have better communication. And for Bell, he obviously wants to play, but if he's not feeling it, as a coach and a training staff, you have to figure that out. And for me, the biggest issue was, Lev Bell had six touches through the first half. You're going to tell me he couldn't touch the ball more in that first quarter when you were just abysmal? Run the ball. You have an offensive line now. Run the ball because clearly Sam Donald did not have it to start. Three for 10, throwing an interception, and he had time in that first quarter. I forgot the number. I'll look it up now. I sent the tweet to you, Luke, and yeah. it was he had a lot of time to make these throws and he just couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, it was Rich Semeni, I believe, that tweeted that he had
1: at least, th- at least three, three seconds, seconds on six of his first eight dropbacks drop per next gen stats. The protection was there. And look, the receivers maybe they weren't. The throws clearly weren't there for Darnold, but this can't be on Sam. He's too good of a quarterback. He's too good of a prospect to not make these throws. That's the thing when I look at this game from Sam Darnold, I think
0: that. There are issues with the Jets' receiving core. We know this. And there were some drops in the beginning. But there's a few throws that I'm looking at. And if you're an NFL quarterback, you just have to make those throws. You know, he missed a couple of those where it's not on the receivers. It's just Darnold not making the best throw. And as you mentioned, why aren't you running the ball? You have Le'Veon Bell, who says he's in great shape. They talked about it before the broadcast. You know, you hear guys say best shape of their life all the time. But Bell was saying, I woke up one morning and I thought, I can be better than I am right now. And that's what he worked on all offseason. And you're only going to give him the ball six times in the first half? And the two times you threw to him, they were extremely positive outcomes. So I just don't understand the thought process behind not giving Le'Veon Bell the ball, especially when Sam Darnold was
1: struggling early on. The dude lost over 20 pounds. He was in incredible shape. He's 210 now. I mean, that's still a lot of weight, but it's all muscle. He's slim. Look at him. He looks amazing. For him... The fact that you don't give him the ball more, he's your best weapon by far. And the fact that you're barely even throwing to the guy, to me, is utterly ridiculous. It is, it's, such, it's so asinine. It makes no sense. And this is the case we saw from last year. There's no difference in this team from last year. And it's the third year of a quarterback, second year in the offense. Let Sam Donald loose. Let him do something. Let him make mistakes. Because I'd rather see him throw 20 interceptions than him throw 20 incompletions. At least give him a chance to, to prove himself. Yeah, and when Bell was
0: in that in that passing offense, he had two catches for 32 yards. He would have had a touchdown catch, as I mentioned, on that hamstring pull where he was open, Bill's linebacker grabs him to prevent the touchdown, and when he gets grabbed, he kind of tries to shift off. You can see the weight just go all the way on that hamstring. I don't know what it was about the turf yesterday. There were a lot of guys slipping, so I'm not, I'm not sure if that was a Bill's stadium issue. I don't know exactly what was going on. But yeah, the Jets didn't look great, especially on offense and defensively. I mean... Really, the, numbers that are, the number that really just is mind-blowing to me, Matt, is you look at time of possession. The Bills had the ball for 41 minutes and 16 seconds. The Jets' offense had the ball for 18 minutes and 44 seconds. You can't win football games when your defense is on the field for 41 minutes. The Jets led the, the NFL in three and outs last year. They had three and outs in the first three drives. They obviously didn't control the ball at all. And that's just going to kill your defense if they're out there for 41 minutes. It was
1: four yards in the first three drives. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to tell me that Lev Bell couldn't just somehow magically get four yards on two carries? Even Frank Gore, if you give him the ball, he's going to get you two to three yards every time. Yeah, he had had a really solid day. Six carries, 24 yards rushing. I mean, I think most of those rushing attempts came when, what, the Bills' second defensive pairings, whatever you want to call it, Their, their second stringers came in. That's why you see kind of these inflated numbers for the Jets offensively where Crowder goes for 115 and a touchdown.
0: Yeah, that that was a nice play by Crowder. He's a guy that when he gets in space, he can make things happen. He kind of caught a a a low pass. He's able to basically just outrun the Bills defense for a a 70 yard touchdown. So that's a promising sign. On the defensive side of the ball, like I mentioned, it's hard to judge the Jets secondary. Their corners didn't look great. And it's tough because the Bills do have a lot of weapons and we don't we didn't really know what they were going to do going into this game. They spread the ball around a lot. Marcus May looked really good. He's not, you know, we said, you know, he's not Jamal Adams. He did really really well in that Jamal Adams role in week one, which I think is really big for the Jets. He was one of two players to
1: show up for the Jets. And through all the drama, you know, there was rumors that he'd get traded if it wasn't Jamal Adams. When you sign a guy like, or when you draft a guy like Ashton Davis, there was rumors that he wasn't good enough. He's also been underlooked. I mean, he's a really, really good player. And for him to be as low-key as he's been in the shadows of Jamal Adams as as a persona is something that the Jets, I don't want to say they miss, because I think you like Jamal Adams, the player, when he's kind of cocky and when he's, running his mouth to the media. You like that that swagger, but it comes back to bite you. And we saw it here in the offseason for Marcus May to do what he did throughout the drama and just be a really good kind of soldier for this team is what they need because he can replace Jamal Adams. He's not the flashy kind of guy, but he's certainly above average. And for you to now have and, and let him flourish into an above-average starting safety, your number one safety option, with the pick coming back from Seattle, with uh, the other safety that you get in that trade whose name will lose me right now bradley mcdougall mcdougall i had mcdouglas in my mind for some reason <laughs> joe but, douglas mm-hmm. mcdougall but for the tab those two guys that can be serviceable and better than average that makes that trade almost an automatic one because you're replacing jamal adams with a very good piece that's maybe not elite but maybe you don't need elite yeah. maybe you just need very good yeah especially
0: i mean look at the the way the Seahawks are constructed, they needed Jamal Adams right now. The Jets, they're not going to go out and contend for a Super Bowl this year. You get some young talent. Marcus May finishes two sacks, a force fumble, 10 tackles. And I really, I was, you know, I don't think I've ever heard from Marcus May, but after the game, he was saying, you know, it was really fun to just be able to go around, make those plays. They trusted him to blitz. It sounded like he, you know, he said, when I'm out there, I'm going 100% all the time. I want to make plays for this team. So I
1: really like to hear that out of Marcus May and as well. He was put in the position that. Jamal Adams was put in, and he got not similar numbers, but very close to it. What you said, yeah. two sacks, a they couple of tackles. They were very
0: good for their respective teams uh, yesterday.
1: Yep. And one thing that you kind of mentioned on here was that they didn't really run the ball a lot, them being the Bills. And I think that was just a pro- that wasn't a product of design. You know, they didn't look great running the ball, but what they were saying on the broadcast was, "We're abandoning the run because we can beat you yeah. in the air and yeah. let Josh Allen go off, build his confidence." Because for Singletary and for the other the other running backs, you know Moss they know that they can get their yards. You know, when you're running back, it's kind of the same thing over and over. For Josh Allen, give him that confidence boost, and he just looked so good. I mean, what, over 60 rushing yards, I believe, on the day is the number that kind of stands out in my mind. I could be totally off on that. Yeah, he was at
0: uh, just a he, 57 yards. On it's not s- 60, there you go. Yeah.
1: So for him to be able to run the ball, he's also your top rushing option. A lot yeah, like really Cam is. Newton in yeah. New England, who rushed for 75 yards. The rest of the, the running backs didn't do a whole lot but you're banking on Josh Allen being able to perform on read options, perform on QB sneaks, you know, run run the ball, sneak out of the pocket and pick up 5, 10, 15 yards. And he's done just that. He's been incredible. Yeah, the only issue was
0: the fumbles. He had two fumbles in the red zone. So when I look at this Bills offense, they're they're fantastic. They punted one time. The biggest issue in the red zone, they went or er, within the red zone they went 3 for 8, which is not great. You had the two fumbles from Allen, you have your rookie kicker miss two kicks. They left a lot of points on the board. You can afford to do that against the Jets. You can't afford to do that as the season progresses, my biggest, I think, exclamation point next to this offense, they spread the ball around. Stefan Diggs, eight catches. John Brown, six. Cole Beasley, four. Knox got two catches. Moss caught a touchdown pass. The amount of weapons the Bills have makes it really tough for any secondary to line up, especially a Jets secondary that we mentioned. You know, safeties, I think they're above average. Cornerback wise, still kind of trying to figure things out. Diggs, I think six of his eight catches went for first downs, which that's just huge to know that you have a reliable guy that's going to make solid catches on third down.
1: And he really performed later in that game. I mean, early on, he maybe had one catch, two catches for 20 yards. Not a whole lot going, but they kind of finally broke him out and really, again, still learning the offense, no preseason games. I think that's the biggest thing. For Josh Allen and the fumbles, I assume that, you know, he hasn't gotten hit He's all just preseason. reckless. That's really what but it is. But he, <laughs> he he wasn't hit all preseason long where he couldn't get that's those kinks out. Yeah. None of these quarterbacks have gotten hit yet. He doesn't know what it's like to... Have to protect that ball since January.
0: Yeah. And so for
1: him now to have to go in and force a couple of fumbles, you don't like it. You don't want to fumble the ball, but at the same time, it's something that you can definitely work with. And that wasn't so much of an issue last year as much as the interceptions were. And I think having another year under his belt, you can kind of tame that back. for For Daniel Jones and the Bills, which we'll get to later, or the, and the Giants, I should say, that's gonna be really interesting because he's a guy that hasn't proven that he can avoid fumbles. Yeah. And now going into Monday night, a really good defense you're going up against. He's got to try to tame that down quickly because if he can't, you wonder if it gets in his head and if it keeps kind of spiraling.
0: And I think one thing Allen has the the comfortable, the comfort about, I don't even know what the actual word is. He's more comfortable now that he has more weapons. You know, Daniel Jones does have the weapons, not quite to the level of Josh Allen in terms of the receiving core. But I think as Allen realizes he can trust his receivers more, he's going to rely on his legs a little bit less. But that being said, I mean, the Jets, they didn't get a ton of pressure, but when they did. Josh Allen's gone. You can't tackle him. Like, he's impossible to tackle. He makes so many runs that are incredible. And that's kind of why when he fumbles on that first drive, I'm thinking, you know what? I think it's going to be okay because I think Josh Allen's going to be able to kind of get back on the horse. And then, you know, for the Jets, I think overall just a sloppy game. Special teams, their punt defense was really bad. I mean, punting wise, good. Punting defense, pretty bad. And when you set up your defense to be kind of with their backs against the wall every single possession, It's going to wear them down. I think that's kind of what it boiled down to. But as the game went on, Jets' defense looked better. Their offense just, I just don't know if they're going to have the pieces at all. For for really this entire season, I'm not sure if the receiving core is going to be great. But you hope you get Mims back next week. uh, And you hope that maybe you see a little bit more out of Brashad Perriman. Good to know Crowder's there. You didn't really see much out of Chris Hogan. So I just don't know if their offense is going to be able to do much of anything. And that's demoralizing for a defense when your offense just isn't scoring at all.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the bigger, I don't want to say issues, one of the the concerns that Jets fans have, and something that's really, really just irritated me, basically all day, because these were phone calls that we were hearing earlier today from reactions to this loss, was what they do, with like why they get rid of Robbie Anderson? He had a great game, don't get me wrong, but he knows the coach in in Matt Rule. Teddy Bridgewater's a solid quarterback, and you're playing against a, a Vegas defense that, kind of forgets about him when he's the number two, number three receiver. You don't need a Robbie Anderson on this team. Rashad Perryman, when he gets healthy, when he understands the offense more, will be more than serviceable. He'll be good. Also, if we're being completely honest, that
0: Robbie Anderson touchdown, that's just the Raiders, like, they just couldn't tackle. Like, he caught the ball for, like, 20 yards. They missed two tackles. He goes the distance. I mean, it's it's a fine play for him, but I don't think he's, yeah, as you mentioned, he's not going to be a big impact on the Panthers. He's going to get his because, as you mentioned, they have DJ Moore. They have Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Robbie Anderson, as a number three receiver, is fine. As a number one type target for the Jets, that doesn't work out for them. So to your point, they have Brashad Perriman. You kind of just expect to maybe get a little bit more out of him going into week two.
1: You're listening to the Watling and Owens podcast, sponsored by WNYO 88.9, the Laker Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to the Watling and Owens show. And it's a Monday, which means we get a little extra taste of football With the New York Giants, they didn't get the Sunday night game. We did see the Cowboys there, but we didn't see the Giants as we usually do. But we do get to see the Giants tonight in primetime. Really interesting matchup against the Steelers because you have Big Ben coming back from injury. We don't really know what he's going to be. You have that great Steelers defense and a Giants offense, Matt, that I think both of us
1: are pretty excited to to get to see. I'm so excited to see Daniel Jones. I think he's going to be such a fun quarterback to watch and just interesting more than anything else. He might be great. He might be average he might take a step step back fun to watch but he's just it's just a fun story (laughs) to look at I mean it's a guy that should have been drafted as high as he was everyone argued and he came out there and had a really really good rookie season he might have had the best rookie season out of his draft class and I would even argue maybe the draft class with Sam Darnold yeah and looking at his numbers I mean obviously he goes three and nine but that's kind of
0: expected really bad defense He completes 62% of his passes, which is pretty solid for a rookie year, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, averaged 232 yards passing per game, which is big because, you know, Jones coming into the league, you don't know what kind of passer he's going to be, but he really is able to figure it out, especially with Darius Slayton. he really found a connection with him. You hope Sterling Shepard stays healthy for a year. Uh, Golden Tate, I believe, is questionable for tonight, but is expected to be able to play. And then you also have Evan Ingram, the big tight end. So lots of weapons. And that's even without mentioning Saquon Barkley, who last year, a little bit banged up and a little bit you know bad offensive line play. Only averaged 77 yards rushing uh, per game. But as the season went on, he kind of picked up production. And I expect him to have a big year in year three. Yeah, and you,
1: you add a lot of size to this offensive line. Andrew Thomas goes fourth overall. He was looking to play. I want to say the right, the easier side. I don't know if Trevor's the left or I think it's the right's the easier side, right? Yeah, right is the easier side. Left is the blind but side. But I think he's playing the le- left tackle now because you had, um, uh, who opted out? Oh, you have... a, a former a, Patriot. Yeah, yeah. Lineman. Well, I'm
0: blanking. That's really, that's really bad. Soldier. Nate Soldier. Soldier. yeah. I didn't go. look it
1: up. I promise. I remembered it in my mind. No, I was, was going to look it up. But Nate Soldier opts out, which is a big, uh, just a tough break because you want Andrew Thomas, a guy that doesn't even have any preseason experience. And we say it every single, every single segment, basically, when we're talking football because it is relevant. He has no NFL experience, so expect some rough patches. I thought Makai Beckton looked really solid uh, in Week 1 for the Jets, but also he's, he's facing a defense that's not as good as the Steelers, or maybe the, the D-line isn't yeah, as the D-line not
0: as good, right.
1: And also, he's got a decent line around him, whereas Andrew Thomas, he's kind of the savior of the Giants' offensive line, as crazy as it sounds. So expect some kind of rough patches from him. One thing that's so tough is you lose Xavier McKinney, that second-round pick, 36th overall who is really supposed to shore up this defense. And, I mean, your, your cornerbacks are putrid if you're the Giants right now. They're just not really good at all. No, they're not. And for the offensive line, I will say I'm going to
0: give them a little bit of a pass no matter what happens tonight just because you're against the Steelers. I mean, T.J. Watt's just a freak. No, no one really can block T.J. Watt, so I kind of can give them a pass, you know, if they look a little bit, you know, shot out of the gate. Also, you know, they feature Micah Fitzpatrick, who's kind of that Jamal Adams do anything he wants in the secondary type of guy. So I'll kind of give him a pass there. But I am really excited to see how Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley come out because we have the, the other storyline we haven't mentioned is year one under Joe Judge. We're going to see what kind of systems he wants to run, especially with Daniel Jones offensively, Saquon Barkley offensively, how he wants to utilize them to their full potential. And it really seems like both these guys have bought into what Joe Judge is preaching, and I think that really goes a long way because they're they're going to be, if not already, they are the leaders of this franchise. They don't have a lot of veterans on this team. They're going to be the guys speaking in the locker room, and if they're buying into Joe Judge already, I think that's a really good sign.
1: It is, and Saquon Barkley loves Joe Judge. I mean, he was talking about uh, last Thursday when Joe Judge had the team restart practice and really just stretches because they didn't he didn't like the way they started. They were really lazy. Saquon was so adamantly for it. He said. He basically said, I love this. You know, he said, quote, Coach didn't like how we started. We kind of had to start things over. As captains and leaves, we have to step up. The thing is, on Monday, there won't be any restarts. We have to find a way to get that energy and that purpose from the beginning, which I love. I think it's really a cool move to make. And I think you kind of have to make sure you're balancing it with some fun in practice because you can have the negative like that, but you got to make sure you're having fun. And I think the fact that we – and we talked about it last week when he did that that fumble, that slip and slide fumble drill – For Joe Judge to do that and just kind of let loose with his guys, that's important. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with a guy like uh, Jason Garrett. He's your new offensive coordinator, obviously had some issues with how the Cowboys were run, but you wonder if he didn't trust Dak Prescott enough as a fourth-round pick. Yeah, and
0: one thing I like about this Saquon-Daniel Jones core for the Giants is that they're not the flashiest guys. They're not going to go to the media and they really kind of strike me as those old-school mentalities where Saquon Barkley is just an old-school bell cow running back. He could carry the ball 40 times a game and still be ready to go in that fourth quarter. And when you look at Daniel Jones, you know, smart guy, played under Cutcliffe at Duke. You know, he kind of is going to, that Eli Manning type, have we said, he's not going to go to the media and say bad things about Joe Judge. So when you have these guys at your core – they're not going to be going out. They're not going to be Jamal Adams or Odell Beckham Jr. in the media where they're going to create controversy. It really seems like the Giants can just be unified for the majority of the season.
1: But then you wonder if, st- if people quit on the team. Because they're not going to be a good team. The thing is is that Joe Judge and really Saquon Barkley has to make sure that this team doesn't quit on Joe Judge because they won't be good. And we'll yeah. play the win-loss game in a little bit, Luke. You'll have to run it for us this time. Yep, I got, I got the schedule up, but we'll run it in a couple minutes. For this team, you if you start the season 0-6, which you could, what happens to the veterans on this team that are playing, that are going through COVID? Do we see, you know, I don't think players can opt out, but would you see them, you know, nurse an injury, fake an injury a little bit, you know, oh, my back hurts a little bit, I can't play, just to get out of it, because why would they want to play for a bad team? Yeah. And that's the biggest concern that you have for this team, and Joe Judge is he hasn't proven it yet. I like what he brings, I like his style, but can he keep the locker room for the entire season? Because a lot of times, guys will shut down when you're losing. Yeah, and I wonder, you know, if the
0: Giants are losing games like like tonight, for example, against the Steelers, no one expects them to win. You know, if they lose a game like that or a game to, you know, the Cowboys later in the year, the Rams, teams like that, they're expected to lose, is Joe Judge going to be, you know, as harsh on them? You know, you want to have that winning culture, but you also have to look at the reality of this team, and they're not a winning team, as you mentioned. They're not a good team. So if you're Joe Judge, I think you look, you see what he says to the media after losses and kind of how the locker room reacts, because you don't want to be... You know, we, we mentioned on Friday's show or Thursday's show, excuse me, we, we like a good yeller. You know, you should be yelled at if you're not doing your job, not to baby the players, but I think he has to kind of be cautious with his expectations within the locker room because you don't want him just screaming at the guys after they lose a game to a team that they're not supposed to beat and they don't have the personnel to beat.
1: But I don't think he's that kind of coach. I think he knows what his team is.
0: But, the, the the, but issue I don't is, know if
1: he knows what his team. You know, but like I, he, I don't think he's expecting a Super Bowl. I don't think that's feasible. But if you're gonna, if you expect 100 percent effort, and they quit on you, and you start yelling at them again, then you might well, yeah. see them fall out of favor. And I think that's what you're kind of getting. Yeah, that's at. That's what like,
0: I'm more trying to get at. Is you know, if they go out there, they're not giving or a good effort. Of course, they deserve to be to be yelled at or or whatever, or even maybe talked about to the media. But. If they're going out there giving 100% effort, you see strides forward from your core guys, and they lose a the game, that's where I'm really interested
1: interested to see how this team reacts. And it's just so interesting. And when we look at the—if we want to pivot towards the game tonight, my well, the one thing that I'm really interested in is Big Ben. Yeah. Rosberg hasn't played in over 365 days. And what was really interesting is he had a quote that basically said there's going to be a lot of jitters tonight and, and stuff like that. And I just thought that was interesting because— you know, he made it seem like there would be a lot, not a lot of issues, but more than usual, and it seemed like that was an interesting quote to me. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, not clutch or not in for the moment. He's won a Super Bowl. I think he's pretty clutch at this point, but the Giants need to get to him early. There's going to be a lot of rust early. You want to pressure him, make him throw him into mistakes, but the biggest issue is can this defense do it? They're not a great defense. You really need to rely on a guy like Leonard Williams to at least try to collapse the pocket from the middle and force some pressure and get in the face of Roethlisberger early on. If the Giants even have a shot at winning this game.
0: Yeah, Leonard Williams is the guy I look at to be that leader. And then you have Marcus Golden, that linebacker, who had 10 sacks last year to lead the team. He returns. He's going to be a big piece. Dexter Lawrence, we didn't really get to talk about him a lot last year because he wasn't really making headlines. Only two and a half sacks last year. Very similar, I think, to Quinn and Williams where, you know, I had a lot of hype around Dexter Lawrence. Maybe not to the level of Quinn and Williams, but he's a guy you expect to maybe step up on defense. And I agree. Try to get to Big Ben early. But then, I mean, there's the whole issue of having James Conner at running back. They've got a good receiving core. It's just, to me, it's going to be too much for the Giants' defense to be able to handle. Yeah, we both have the
1: Steelers at minus five, or, or plus five and a half, I should say. Minus, minus. Wait, the Giants. G- oh, the Steelers are favorite. That's yeah, right. Yeah. My bad. No, yeah. We both and have that pick, yes. That'll be that'll be just interesting to watch. I, I could be close, but That's also I could see I, the defense running away with it. But none of these games have really been blowouts by no. the end of the day. I mean... It was the the Ravens-Cleveland one was a blowout, and I think that was the only one. Yeah, I mean, Jets-Bills was a 10-point game. Not really a blowout, but it felt like a blowout. It but was, yeah, but I then mean, you have the garbage points.
0: Yeah, other than that, you really don't have a ton of blowouts. But, I mean, every game is kind of individual, but a lot of rust going on, so that could maybe lead to some of these closer that, games. That's
1: the biggest part for it, I think, is, you know, you, you look at the first couple weeks of every season, and a lot, a lot of teams that are legit contenders kind of fall off or don't know what's going on. This is just magnified to the nth degree without the preseason, especially and with all these new teams. The biggest thing, though, is the Giants with Joe Judge, they, they're new offensive coordinators, new systems, new terminology. That could be the biggest issue. We saw it last night with Dallas where they kept the same terms from the Jason Garrett offense, which is really interesting because now you're going to see the Giants come in and play them and, and know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and for the rusty part, though, if you think about it, I mean, Big Ben's probably the rustiest quarterback in the NFL yep. right now, so that will be something to watch early. Let's take a look at that Giants schedule. We oh boy. Kind of teased. Let me it. get it's my
1: uh pen and paper so we can get write this down. Yeah,
0: we'll have Matt get out his pen and paper so we can keep track. We did this with the Jets and the Bills. We both had the Bills at 10 and 6. Matt had the Jets at 4 and 12, I believe, and I had them at six and ten. I think that was I think that's what it was ended up being chalked out to. Something along those lines. And I believe so yeah, so I know we both had the bills at ten and six. Yeah. For the Giants interesting team i think they're gonna steal doo, some doo, games doo, doo. i think they're gonna steal some games maybe surprise some people in some i mean we saw washington beat philly yesterday so i mean really the nfc east is just it's ugly every year it is it is and i don't think the johns are gonna win it but i think they can steal some games so we start tonight against the steelers i'm assuming we're both because we obviously picked that game week two they go at chicago that's interesting at Chicago, and we've kind of seen teams play so maybe it'll be easier i mean the bears big comeback yesterday do you trust Mitch? I'm going to
1: give the Bears the win. I think this is this kind of time where you see the Bears, they go 2-0. You're like, oh, my God, they're good, they're good, and then
0: they're going to fall apart. Yeah, I'm going to go Bears there uh, in a close one, though. You know, that's a game I could see the Giants win. Week three, home against the 49ers, who did not look all that great against uh, the Cardinals lost. yesterday. I'm going lost,
1: too. <laughs> Week four, at the Rams. <laughs> I want to say win because you need to win at some point, Yeah, but I just don't think... Loss. Yeah, I am going lost too. Uh next game is a the
0: America's game of the week at Dallas in week five. They're right? gonna win. They're gonna win that game. I I'm think gonna so. I'm gonna actually give them a loss there. I think they're better than the Jets, so I have to somehow find them five wins. That's true. That's a, the game they could win. I'm giving them a loss. I think they start owing five. Uh week six though, home against Washington. I'm gonna give them a win. Yeah, there. win. And then moving into another divisional game. Quick turnaround, a Thursday night game against the Eagles in Philly. I'm actually going to go with the Giants here.
1: Yeah, I think I think that Thursday night game kind of takes them both down a peg, but I think the Eagles kind of mess around. And then we get a... I'm a three-game win streak for them. A three and four right now.
0: Okay. And I have them at two and, and five. five as we move forward. They get the extra day on the flip side. They play the Buccaneers at home Monday night football. Tom Brady against the Giants. Loss. Yeah. Got, I got to go loss. I think the Bucs will figure it out by then. Next week at Washington again... I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the Giants. I I'm think, gonna go loss. I think they split. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Giants sweep. Then they play the Eagles again next, which loss. Yeah, I'm gonna go loss there as well. How many, how many weeks are we at right now? So we have How many games two, are left? Three, four, five, six, six games to go. Okay, we're So good. We're, we're at ten good. games we're right now. We're feeling good. At Cincinnati. Win. I'm gonna go win as well there. I gotta find them wins, baby. I gotta it's find true. Them. They, I don't think you'll find a win in the next week at the Seahawks. Probably a loss, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go loss. Interesting game here, Cardinals at home. The next one, I'm going to give them a loss too. I'm going to go. Uh, I ha- I, don't,
1: I don't think the Cardinals are that good. I just I just yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to
0: have to give. I'm going to have to give the the Giants a loss there. Yep. Home against the Browns. Odell makes his return to New York. See, the Browns have such a good offense, but I just allegedly they, they have the <laughs> weapons. They to. have good weapons, but yeah. I just
1: I think it's a win for the Giants.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Giants there too. Love the narrative. Uh next week is week sixteen. So we don't know who starters gonna be playing mm-hmm. to go at the Ravens. I think it's gonna be a loss. Yeah, I, I gotta go loss as well. How many how many wins do I have, Matt right you now? Have them so at do one, loss two, game. three,
1: four, five. You have them at five. Wow. Okay. That's I'm at five, too. All right, so here we go, Matt. Week seventeen against the Cowboys at home. I think it's gonna be a loss. I think the Cowboys be playing for something. Yeah. I think the Giants are gonna try to play spoiler and they just can't do it. I'm gonna go loss as well. So we, we both have, have them at five and five eleven. Okay, I thought you were going to maybe
0: try to push 6-10. and ten. No, no,
1: no. I said they're going to be better than the Jets, and they're better than the Jets at 5-11. All right, so we both have the Giants at 5-11 and 11 again. And well, they could surprise people. Yeah. I mean, I think the loss of McKinney really, really was tough. I think if you could have had him play, maybe he comes out and plays like uh, Marshawn Lattimore was playing for the Saints. Obviously, a different position. You're reliable on more with the Giants, but he could have had something like that. You could have seen him really step up, maybe make a couple of plays you wouldn't typically see. But their, their secondary core, pretty solid. I mean, we're not solid, but you've got him, you've got Jabril Peppers, who's a solid piece as well. I think Joe Judge is going to have a lot of fun with Jabril Peppers too, being that kind of wild card that he is. Maybe play him a bit like a Jamal Adams type, where he can blitz the quarterback, he can kind of drop back into secondary, maybe play a tight end a couple times. He's a little undersized to play the tight end, but if he can try to bulk up and just get the inside, get the speed, he might have a chance. You're listening to the Watling and Owens Podcast, sponsored by WNYO 88.9, the Laker Radio Network. And we're back, okay, so Odd Man Rush on a Monday, the, a the second or third Monday edition. Coming in with a little drape. Still working on the new Rush intro. We'll have we him. are, we, we'll get it for you shortly, at some point. I think, are you, you want to do that? Or do you want me to do it? We'll see, we'll see what happens. I really don't, I just, <laughs> I did the intro of the show, which we didn't get to play today, unfortunately. That's true. But, it, it was supposed to be in the, in the computer, we're working on it still. Yeah. And we'll get to, you, you kind of teased it a little while ago. The Aaron Boone-Araldis-Chapman saga, yes. it was, what was it? It was the 12th, which is that Saturday game. Chapman was looked at by his manager, Aaron Boone, and the, the media asked him, you know, what was the deal with that? Why would you go out and ask him? And a pretty, pretty funny response from Boone. He couldn't stop helping himself from laughing. So let's take a listen here. Aaron, uh, what sent you to the mound for Chapman in the ninth inning? Why did you head out there? I
0: was just checking on him. Um... What did you see? I guess. Um, he's fine. <laughs> okay. It seemed like believe we'll it at that. Okay. After he got the out, he was kind of laughing and he turned around to center field. What was going on with that? <laughs> he he's fine. He's fine. Mother <laughs> okay. nature call sometimes. Oh.
1: <laughs> okay. Two <No> follow up. <laughs> and my my favorite was I think. It's... <laughs> Brian Hawk, I think his name is. Yeah. And he just goes, no further questions. That's, that's, I think that's my favorite response
0: to it. That's so funny. And then we, the video, there's a video pitching Ninja put out. It was like, uh, it was like, because he, he does like the pitch videos, he goes, I this Chapman. Trying not to, to poop himself, and it was like him pitching, and you could tell he was like he was
1: holding it really, in. really?
0: It. yeah. And I don't think he was able to hold it in. <laughs> and look,
1: I think that we've all kind of been through it. You're in a situation where you can't just leave, yeah. Whether it be in the press box or here, even. But have you ever had a situation like this, Luke? I mean, I've never gone to the the length that the
0: Chapman had to end up going to, but yeah, there's some bad situations. You know, sometimes you're driving like on a you know a highway, especially no, up here where there's no, no rest stops. stops brutal that yeah i don't really have a ton of crazy times though i'll say that I, i've been very 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 blessed in that yes. sense and for a role as that's the worst possible time like you're in the game you can't come out now especially no you know you have the batter minimum like i don't think that causes an exception to
1: the rule could you say it's an injury though
0: that's true i guess could i guess you it say could like, qualify hey, look, I'm,
1: I'm injured. or you could probably go to the umpire and be like look like i can't pitch up yeah. am going to poop myself yeah and i think you could get away with it that's wild just wild Incredible story, and we'll we'll move over now to maybe something that's not so incredible is Tom Brady. Oof, struggled a little bit in his debut, two interceptions and a thirty-four. Is it twenty-three or thirty-two? I thought it was twenty-three. What the score? Yeah, yeah, it was twenty-three. Okay, I wrote as twenty as thirty-two by accident. Lost to New Orleans Saints, the third straight game. He's thrown a pick-six, one against the wild card AFC wild card game in Tennessee, and then Week Seventeen in Miami. Uh, one of them was on a miscommunication. and wasn't really his fault where Mike Evans stopped running and Tom Brady kind of threw him into a lead, which was triple coverage anyway. He probably shouldn't be throwing it there to begin with, but he did. Interception. He said they made more plays than we did, and I just made a, a bad, terrible turnover, said Tom Brady. 23 for 36 overall, 239, two total touchdowns, two interceptions. We don't have to worry about Tom Brady moving forward, right? Maybe in the next week or two, but not long term. Not long term. There's some things that concern me just
0: because Bruce Arians' offense is so dependent on throwing the deep ball, and Tom Brady just doesn't quite have the deep ball that he used to have. And on that Mike Evans interception, something I thought was interesting after the game, Bruce Arians said that that turnover is on Tom Brady. So kind of interesting that in game one you have Bruce Arians kind of throwing Tom under the bus. So I'm interested to see kind of how he reacts to being called out for that. But
1: I I think Tom can handle it. I think if you're two guys, and I'm not saying that Mike Evans couldn't handle it, but you don't want to crucify Mike Evans, who's been there for a while. I don't yeah. see a problem. Ben kind of
0: banged up as well, you know.
1: Yeah. So, you, you know, he wasn't even supposed to play, I don't think, for most of the, the weekends. up trying it out anyway. Yeah. And look, I'm not too worried about the Bucs. I think they are.
0: To me, they're, you know, I said I, right before the season, I had them at the second best team in the NFC South behind the Saints, which I still think they are. I don't think the Falcons or Panthers are great. They can easily contend for a wild card spot with the extra slot. I'm not too worried, but definitely I think something to keep an eye on moving forward.
1: And this is almost the performance you expect from their defense. You're playing the Saints. They're such a good team. They're healthy. They've got everyone going. You know, Alvin Kamara was in. He wasn't too effective, but really it's, it's, it's interesting. I guess it was a lot of the defense, or rather of or Tom Brady throwing the interceptions that made a big dent. I mean, you take away the seven points from the pick six, you get to 27 and, I mean, it's a solid day. You saw Taysom Hill throw for a 30 yard flea flicker. Yeah. Only 18 for 30 was Drew Brees, 160, two yeah, touchdowns. He,
0: he wasn't great either. I think the Saints' defense isn't getting enough credit. I thought they did a really good job keeping Tom Brady uncomfortable. And one thing that I think is the biggest difference between the Patriots and the Bucs this year is the Bucs do have running backs, but they just they didn't perform to the level that, that the New England running backs usually perform to with Tom Brady there. So, you know, kind of different, not the biggest pass catchers out of the backfield this year. So I really think Tampa Bay needs to figure out the run game in order for them to be successful.
1: Yeah, Ronald Jones goes 66 yards on 17 carries. No Shady McCoy, which is kind of interesting to me. Obviously, you expect him to be a yeah, third-string back, but you'd like a, to see him do yeah. a little bit more.
0: He played a couple snaps on the stretch, but yeah, didn't didn't get the ball at all. I don't, I don't really know what Shady is at this point. You know, the Chiefs didn't really play him last year. The Bucks don't seem to be playing him. He might just be kind of that locker room room guy third string running back kind of guy
1: so now moving from Tom Brady to Cam Newton's replacement Newton's first time playing over a year said it was a feeling through process as well with McDaniels and Belichick to understand what they have his 75 rushing yards the most in Steve Grogan's 81 in 1977 Newton just a really solid day 15 for 19 on passing and the fact that he only threw 19 passes is crazy to me yeah it is and kind of our first look at this
0: new offense and Bill Belichick, I think he's gonna have a lot of fun using Cam Newton. He kind of used him not a ton in the passing game, but just using him as that kind of read option kind of quarterback. Let him get outside the numbers a little bit as well, had a couple of really nice rushes. And I'm not, you know, I'm not all in on the Patriots yet. I think their defense is, is gonna struggle a little bit more than the past years. They only left eleven points, but you have Fitzpatrick throwing three interceptions. So I'm not completely in on the Patriots, but you know, good to see I, I love Cam Newton as a player. So I, I like to see him, you know, succeed. And he did succeed in that week one game.
1: Yeah, he didn't. I think that for him to run for 75 yards on 15 carries is impressive. But to me, the, the running game as a whole, was not I wasn't so impressed with. I mean, you take out Cam Newton, he's a big part of it. Sonny Mis- Michelle, 37 yards on 10 carries. You know, Rex Burke had 32 on seven. I feel like they just don't have a whole lot in the run game. I think Julian Edmund had one rush for 23 yards. I think it was a reversal or something of that nature. It wasn't just a straight run up the middle or something like that. So to me, it's just it's just an interesting kind of dynamic that this team has where – I don't know if I trust their running game. And I don't trust the receivers. I mean,
0: Julian Edelman, sure. Nikhil Harry, really, I mean, he's okay. And then it's just your running backs. Like, look at the guys that caught balls for them. Edelman, 5 for 57. Harry, 5 for 39. James White, 3 for 30. Izzo, their tight end, 1 for 25. J.J. Taylor, don't even know who he is. One catch for 44 yards. So I just think that there's some issues for the Patriots. and I think they got to figure him out, especially in the receiving court. I don't know why they got rid of Sanu
1: because that's just – They just don't have the pieces, I think, that they've had in the past. I don't think they do either. It'll be interesting to see what they can do, and I think they're banking on Cam Newton just being an all-star or an MVP candidate, whatever you want to call him. Which I don't know. Which he can be. He showed it, but he's also playing a a Dolphins team that's not very good. I mean, they're they're solid. They're not embarrassing, but they're not a great team. They're well-coached, but defensively, they don't have a whole lot of pieces that are are star-studded. Right, yeah, I think that's the biggest issue is defensively. All those opt-outs, I think you're going to come back to kind of hurt them down the stretch. And we'll go through a couple more stories here, mostly staying in football. We'll start with Sunday night. The Rams win 20-17 to over the Dallas Cowboys. Malcolm Brown for the Rams rushes for a career high 79 yards, two touchdowns, and Jared Goff really impressed me. 275 passing yards in the win. And for him, if he can step up after a regressive season from last year, that, that's a big, big benefit to this Rams team that maybe puts them I don't want to say into a Super Bowl contender because it's very early, but into a team that could win a game or two in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know what
0: Jared Goff is, but when he's on, he's very good. When he's off, he's very bad. I don't think he'll ever be an elite quarterback. But if he can just kind of be good enough, I think that really helps the Rams. And if they can get their running backs going, Malcolm Brown was really solid. I thought Cam Akers made a couple of good plays. That's that's a really solid team. It's just they're in, honestly, probably the toughest division in football. I mean, you see the Cardinals look good. The Seahawks looked fantastic. Russell Wilson might have won MVP in week one, not really, but uh and then the Cardinals look great with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Just a tough divisional situation
1: for the Rams this year. And we'll end it with this. And it's not football, so I apologize for the tease of the transition, whatever you want to call it before. <laughs> but Pau Gasol showing respect to Kobe Bryant and his family. Uh him and his wife just had a kid naming her Elizabeth Gianna Gasol. Obviously Gianna for Kobe Bryant's daughter, who unfortunately passed away with him in the airplane or in the helicopter accident. But just such a, a nice tribute to a family that I didn't realize that they were this close until after Kobe passed. Powell just seems to always be with Vanessa as well and, and the kids and the family. And that's just, it's its really nice to see that. Yeah, it really is. And obviously, congrats
0: congrats to Powell and his wife. And really beautiful, they name you know, the middle name after Gianna. And then you've seen all the pictures. Powell seems to always be around Vanessa, as you mentioned, kind of trying to be that rock for his, you know, one of his best friends in Kobe Bryant. So this story of Kobe Bryant so tragic, but there have been, you know, some beautiful kind of reactions to it and, and we've seen around the NBA just players trying to trying to cope and, and trying to help and
1: really just beautiful to see Pal Gasol with the the Bryant family. And before we go to break, we'll quickly pivot to our NFL picks. What we've done so far. Luke, you're three and one. Yeah, I'm, f- I'm you feeling had The Cardinals, really good. the Raiders, the Cowboys lost. You've also got Pittsburgh tonight. Me, I'm two and one. I got the Cards, the Bears, and the Cowboys lost for me as well. Great cover by the Bears at the end. That was tremendous. You almost lost the Raiders too, but Carolina couldn't come through for me. I've that, got Tennessee or Pittsburgh minus five and a half and then Tennessee minus one and a half. Yeah, by the way, we got the Cowboys minus
0: three. By the kickoff, that game was a pick'em. So I should have known it was a trap. The public loved the Rams in that one. I, I just I want to trust the Cowboys so bad. But you know, outside of that, as I mentioned, good start. I'm really interested to see how, because I mean we both have the Steelers pick. So this week is probably going to be determined on that Titans-Broncos game, which you have the Titans. I think the Titans will probably cover. But the altitude, the weird kickoff time for Tennessee, you just, you never know. We'll see. You never
1: know. We'll see. Do we have a bet yet? I've, I've, we need to figure this out. You well, haven't performed your bet from last year either. True. But, but you know, I'm taking w- steps. I was big. thinking like a, like a swimming snoot snow angel type thing. Yeah. Which so like, I think is awesome. Kind of cool, but also like you won't be up here yeah, uh, for the true. second semester. I mean, you can drive over. I'm sure it's not that far away. Yeah. But is, is that where we're going on? Or is something more embarrassing? I think we, I think it's a good, that's a good one. All right. We can we can try
0: to think of other ones. I'm just not very creative when it comes to this kind of stuff. Neither am so I. And like, we don't
1: have like the funds to do anything really crazy. Right. right. Yeah. You like still to... gotta take the SAT at some point. Yeah, I, don't will, do it. I, I don't know when you're gonna do it. It'll you happen. It'll. I don't know when. You are going to do it it will happen i do not know when you have not even printed it out yet. I don't think you're gonna do it. True, and but I have the PDF, which is That's a step. shameful. That's do you want to do it on, virtually on your computer and like type it in, or is that too difficult with a Mac?
0: I guess. I don't know. I I can look into
1: it. I'll print it out. We'll figure it out. We'll we'll make something happen here. Some kind of video segment of some sort. Yeah. That'll that'll do it for Proud Man Rush. So back back to you, buddy. You're listening to the Watling and Owens podcast, sponsored by WNYO 88.9, the Laker Radio Network. Back here
0: on the Watling and Owens show, one thing the Mets have been getting a little bit more distant from, as we heard Selena Gomez allude to there in the the intro there, is they've been distant in the standings. They lose two of three. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but they're distant in the standings. They're not really distant in the win column. I mean, I guess yeah, they
1: they're are. Hard. They're they're distant from wins, I guess we could say. They're socially distancing from wins. They dropped two of three
0: from the Blue Jays. They're two and a half games out of the playoffs. Still three teams ahead. I'm officially, Matt, putting the Dun chain on the New York Mets this year. I feel like you're not there it ready. Is. I feel like you're not ready.
1: I think I'm ready. I think it's time. I, I, I wish. I think it's – the fact that they can't make the playoffs right now is actu- absolutely despicable. It really is. You're, you're telling me you can't be one of the eight best teams? I mean, that means you're below a- – you are below average if you're the Mets. Yeah, it's, it's You brutal. couldn't go 500 this season? They would have made it last year if this was the case. Right, and I just – they don't have the starting pitching. It's the loss of
0: Stroman that really gets you. Yeah, no Stroman. I mean, Syndergaard as well. They have no starting pitching. You know, they go against the Phillies. You just can't—you can't—we can't keep playing the game where it's like you take two of three here. Like, you just you, can't. You, you need to take 13 two games th- left. Yeah, you, you, they need to win probably 10 of these games. Yeah, and this series against Philly, they roll out Porcello, DeGrom, and Lugo. You got to at least win the DeGrom and the Lugo games. Porcello, I mean, he's just been bad this year, so who you, knows?
1: You need to win all three, but you, you can't expect to win it when Porcello's on the mound. You, he's just not good enough, and— it's really a shame, I, I would argue, I, because this would have been a fun team in the playoffs. I think they would have done some damage. I think the loss of Strowman really, really hurts, and I think it almost hurts even more when you find out that he kind of got the eligibility, didn't he, or the uh, the year of service, didn't play a game, and then sat out. I mean, that's—I'm yeah. not going to criticize him for doing it. I would have liked to see him sit out before so he didn't kind of get that service year, but also with players making cuts, this was a loophole he found, or he— Maybe it wasn't a loophole. Maybe he just didn't want to play. Like, whatever it is, it's it was fine. It definitely a loophole, but... <laughs> it, it, it's a loophole, and I don't love the move. I think that if you're a guy that wants to be with the Mets, I think you would have either played or, or sat out and, and taken the year off and came back with the Mets the next year. But also, I can't complain because he's a baseball player. You know, he's making money. He's got to maximize his his money. But that was a really tough loss. I think from there, it almost felt like the Mets didn't come back from that. You had so many starters for most of, the, most of the season early on. You lose Syndergaard in the offseason. You lose Stroman a week before the season starts. And it's just such a tough break. You, you have Matt not performing like he should. But losing Blake Wheeler now looks really, really bad. And I think you said it at the time when he went to the Phillies that you should have paid him. I wasn't so confident. I thought you could be fine with Stroman. But looking back, you really could have used the guy Like Wheeler now.
0: Yeah, he's been solid for the Phillies. And, you know, just kind of to put a bow on it for the Mets. It seems like this whole year we've been waiting them to go on for them to go on that Mets run, and they just never did. And now it seems to be too late. Thirteen games left, but we'll keep an eye on it. Good news for the Mets, though. Steve Cohen will reportedly sign an agreement today to buy the Mets. So the only step he has left, the only thing between Steve Cohen becoming the next owner of the New York Mets and the Will Ponds being out, is he needs twenty-three of the thirty owners to approve his his buying of the team in November which I'm expecting that he'll get but there have been some rumblings about some owners being unhappy because he's too rich which is I, that's just laughable I mean I get it the Will Ponds have kind of been in the basement and just just the stomping ground of every Mets joke but getting Steve Cohen I think would really be a franchise changing move for the Mets.
1: And I think the biggest thing is everyone's going to wait for it to happen all at once. I don't think you'll get it all at once. Yeah. I don't think like he's not he going to go out and sign. Yeah. I don't think in this offseason he's not going to go out and spend $100 million or right. whatever it is. That's just not the, the, the system or the the operation you can expect. It. He's going to try to bring his new guys. I wouldn't be shocked if Brody Van Wagenen gets fired. I would, But then you look at I Luis Rojas, and he's been solid. He's done a good job. But he,
0: he kind of feels like a stopgap, you know? He, like, doesn't it, they like wanted a, Beltran. he doesn't feel like a
1: World Series champion. I wonder yeah. if Steve Cohen brings back Beltron because... He That's doesn't true. care what people think. Yeah. I think he should bring him back if if he wants him. I don't see any reason why Beltron shouldn't be a manager again. Why not give him with the why not play him with the Mets whatever you want and, and go from there? Yeah, or even maybe bring Hinch. Him. Yeah. I've seen I don't know about that, Hinch, but I don't would, would, know. The, the B V W and Hinch um connection true. Or no, Alex Cora is what was it was was with the Red Sox? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard the Hinch BVW connection, but if he gets fired, you're not gonna bring in Hinch.
0: True, but I because I heard Cora might actually go back to the Red Sox. So. yeah,
1: I heard that too, which is ridiculous. I think that's so I Just don't fire him then. Yeah, exactly. And we'll move across town quickly to the Yankees,
0: who just swept the Orioles. They're not only a half game behind Toronto, they've got a solid lead in the wild card. They're gonna make the playoffs. I mean, I never was too worried. I said it the other day. I said my hand was a little bit on the panic button, but I wasn't gonna press it yet. They, lo- I mean, it's against the Orioles, but they did look good this weekend. The offense seems to be figuring it out. Biggest takeaway for me was the starting pitching looked really solid. So I think
1: some promising signs for the Yankees going into these last couple of weeks. That was so important. That was so, so important for this team to get all five of them. Or rather, four of the five. And I guess David Garcia had a solid day as well. Or a solid outing in his last start as yeah, well. Yeah, and he'll be getting the ball on Tuesday. For, for all four of those guys to go out there and give you actual starts with no one going less than five innings is so important. You would have liked to see happen, maybe Tanaka go a little bit more. You know, Montgomery gives you nearly six innings of work. You would have liked to see them all go into six, maybe seven. But for Cole to go seven innings, obviously a complete game in in game one of that doubleheader, that's huge. I mean, for him to rest your bullpen completely in that game, it gives you that kind of wiggle room for Tanaka not to play six, seven innings where he can give himself up to the bullpen. I think that was so important. That's what you expect of a guy like Garrett Cole. Give your bullpen a game off, a day off, whatever you want to call it. And let them just refocus because getting that day off and letting just kind of hanging out, relaxing in the in the in the bullpen makes just a world of difference. And then a day off today, which
0: is huge as well for the Yankees. And they look to get Judge and Stanton back by this weekend, which would be really big additions, obviously. And Glaber Torres is finally figuring it out. I mean, he's been huge in this last uh seven games. He's eight for his last 21, two doubles, a home run, seven RBIs. And he was the guy, you know, we talked about him and Sanchez. Sanchez is a big you know, he's a big swing and miss guy. You kind of expect him to either hit a home run or strikeout, but Glaber Torres was really the biggest head scratcher. And if he can be really a force, especially when Judge and Stanton come back, and he can kind of be that guy that he sees the better pitchers because he's not Judge or Stanton or even, you know, DJ LeMayhew. But if he can be good down the stretch, I think he's really the biggest key for the Yankees going into this last couple of games. I think I have to cancel
1: Glaber. Why? Because it's glasses. As the glasses. So as glasses like, as flavor, someone baby. that needs, it, needs glasses for for prescription, he doesn't. So these aren't even sunglasses. No, they're like the you've seen them, right? They're, they're like, like the clear clear ones things, right? with like, Yeah. I don't know why he's wearing them. He I don't looks appreciate absolutely it. gorgeous in them. I'll tell you. Um, that. I don't appreciate using glasses as a style. you feel a, like he's style? appropriating your culture? I think he of is wearing glasses. I really think he is. I I don't appreciate it. I don't respect it. Good for him. He's he's playing better, but I I just I feel I feel hurt by it. I feel like he's making fun of me as someone that needs glasses to survive and, and live everyday life. Hey, you know baseball though the superstitions. But like you couldn't you can't just get like maybe if you could tell me that they're like blue blue filter gla- glasses, which there's no need to so you're not looking at a screen when you're playing baseball. Yeah. Then I can appreciate it. Just, right. Just lie to me. All right. Say that the prescription. Say that they're blue lens filters. Or, or something yeah and we'll definitely keep it
0: on the Yankees I mean the last three weeks we've opened the show the Yankees have been playing the quote-unquote biggest series of the year and it happens again against Toronto so that'll be interesting three games Garcia gets the ball in game one then Cole in game two so definitely some progress doubleheader there. tomorrow uh, or is it no no night? I was just saying of the series okay. yeah. I didn't know if because no doubleheaders seen... left for the Yankees which I think is pretty Oof, big that's huge so hopefully they can stay rested stay healthy for the sake of Yankees fans maybe make a run Quickly before we go,
1: Matt, are the Islanders done chained? Yes. Okay. They were awful. They didn't (laughs) look good. I mean, they played one of their better games this year and still lost. There there are a few teams in the NHL that can break your – not break your back, but kind of break your system, and Tampa's one of them. We saw it in the first round with Columbus. We're seeing it again with the Islanders. A good job by the Islanders this season. You want to get a legit scoring option for Barzell on that wing. I would love Johnny Goudreau in the offseason if you can make a trade, but – The cap's not going up, and they've got contracts to sign as well, so we'll see if they can do that. And the Stars looking to clinch a spot in the cup tonight. Who would have thought that could be a Stars-Lightning
0: final would be interesting.